Tantrum House Board Gaming Podcast is recorded live from Studio WKRD in Greenville, South Carolina. This podcast is brought to you by our friendly local game store, Boardwalk, purveyors of fine games. Bezier Games, the new classics. AEG, we make fun. The Game Steward, your second chance at Kickstarter games. And Game Toppers, LLC, upgrading your gaming experience. Your hosts are here to help you sort through the cardboard commotion to help you find the diamonds in the rough. So buckle up, especially if you're driving right now, because you're about to arrive at the Tantrum House. Hello, hello, and welcome to our 250th show. Today we got Will Meadows, Sarah Meadows, Melissa Delp, Kevin Delp, and Ryan Pills in the house. Today's episode is going to be peppered with all kinds of fantastic shout-outs from our friends and fans who are here to support the show. We're very thankful for uh, just the opportunity to be a part of this fantastic industry and to have so many friends who are there to celebrate with us. Uh, congratulations to Marty and Tony for being so much further ahead of us. We're going to catch you guys. Don't worry. 300. We got this in the bag. If we do two a month and day two a month, we're never going to catch up. We're, we're going to up our game. Some secret episodes we're going to throw in this year. <laughs> Uh, we had an opportunity to hang out with them at TantrumCon, which is always a lot of fun. We'll be talking about that later in the episode as well. We're going to be talking about some of our favorite, I think, podcast episode recaps as well. Plus, all the games that we've been playing recently, and who knows what else might end up in the show. Maybe some interviews and some other shout-outs, so stay tuned. It's going to be a fun one. Hey, this is Stephen Bonacore, the pod father of gaming. Congratulations to the Tantrum House podcast on 250 episodes. Well... To get me to do this, they had to make me an offer I couldn't refuse. Hey, this is Grant Lyon. Congrats to everybody at Tantrum House. 250 episodes. You guys should write home to your mothers because that's something to be proud of. And I love all of you. I love playing games with you. I love hanging out with you. And keep up the good work. Why don't we get started, though, by talking about some of the games that we've been playing. We played a lot at Tantrum Con. What other stuff has been hitting you guys' tables? What are you excited about? We played Wormspan. Yeah. yeah, Sarah, um, you switched for us. So you sort of played. I, I, I <laughs> she watched. Got the full, yes, almost full experience. So I've played a few games now and have enjoyed all my plays. Um, if you are not familiar with what Wormspan is, it is a new game from Stonemaier Games. It's in the Wingspan universe. I guess <laughs> it, they put a Wingspan game so on the box. So it's in the universe. <laughs> Because it has wings. there. It's about dragons, and you are laying dragons in different habitats. And sort of like Wingspan, you need certain resources in order to play them. It has some similarities in things like you're putting eggs on the cards, you're tucking cards, you're caching resources. So some of the same things that you're getting points for in Wingspan, you also will be getting points for in Wingspan. But the gameplay is totally different. There is no rolling of dice like you have Wingspan. You are managing your resources in um, other ways. You have sort of an action economy with coins, and I've enjoyed um, my plays of it. Melissa, you've played a couple times now, too. I have questions, too. Oh, I got I got to see the game and didn't get the whole playthrough. The thing that stood out as being the most visually different was the rondelle-looking thing in the yeah. middle of the table. Guild. What's that about? The, the guild. guild. Yes, there's a guild board, and there are three or four different tiles that you can select for your game. You're going to choose one of them to play with, and basically... Some of the bonuses that you're going to get throughout the game is to move your marker on that guild track, and you'll get eggs and resources and cards and all sorts of benefits. But then when you hit certain spots on the track, you're going to take a cube and place it on 
a spot on the guild board. And some of those spots just give you straight up points and then others let you do special actions like, oh, you can play a card for free or you can exchange this for something else. So when you get to that spot, you have to decide which of those um, actions or spots you want to take with your cube and then it's going to block other people. Kevin tends to race around that track. Yeah, I mean, you get lots of benefits, so why not? I mean, everything's good. There's nothing bad around that. So it's like, man, the more you go around that board, the more stuff you're getting. So it's enjoyable. I actually made like it more than a wingspan. Whoa, wait, what? I know. Interesting. I do think that it is maybe a step up from wingspan. There's a little bit more going on and the the powers on the cards and the interactions between them. So I... I'm okay with Wingspan. I don't dislike it, but I also don't love it. I do like this more than Wingspan. There's one thing I don't like in the game, and it is the dragon. You don't like the dragons? The whole game is about dragons. What's the the book of dragon lore? Is that what it's called? The book of dragon facts. That's right. That's right. It's a book of dragon facts. I just don't know what the point is. I mean, I know that it's fun for people, but they have a whole book of dragon facts that are, it's all fluff. The whole thing's fluff. Like, I would want something that's more useful. Like, I'm okay with fluff, but I want it also to be useful. Like, oh, there's a rules question about this dragon that I have. I want to go to the Book of Dragon Facts. It will help explain the cards a little bit more to help me as a player to make sure I'm playing properly. The whole book is just for fun. This is just literally dragons have is think, it like wingspans and stuff Katie on dragons. I think would disagree with you because she picked up the book and was like, "Oh, I'm going to have to just sit here and read this when it's not my turn." <laughs> right, not, but that's not a planned. different thing. That's not yeah. the game. So yeah, I, it was a bonus that they added in to the game. That's Lots it. of people are sad that those quote unquote facts aren't actually on the cards anymore. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Sorry, Ryan, you were... No, it's interesting that you would say that about the bonus book because we just played Oracalcum, and in Oracalcum, the box, there's just an extra large Oracalcum coin. And I was telling Katie, this is kind of neat. They included this. It's not needed in the game, but it's like a fun tactile coin that you can play with. She's like, I hate it when they put bonus stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That is really funny. That is you should funny. go home tonight, Ryan, and be yeah. like, hey, Katie, do you like that bonus fact, fact book. book about dragons? <laughs> has nothing to do with the game. And then do a magic trick and pull the coin out of, out of her ear. Ha ha! <laughs> <laughs> now, I think the artwork is like a watercolor sort of style. I enjoy the... I know some people have... I've heard people say they don't enjoy it as much. I like it. I think it fits well um, with the game. So, Tell me more about... Oracle or whatever it's called. Oracalcum? Yeah. Uh, Well, it is about folks from Atlantis. The uh, sinking of Atlantis is about to happen. So you are out searching these uh, islands for a place that your civilization can move to. And it's a little bit of tile placement and uh, growing. Expanding. Yeah. Uh, And then there's monsters. You... You are trying to achieve five victory points before anybody else, but you have to eliminate all of the monsters on your board. On your turn, there is a market of cards. Each card has an action that you can take, and it has a tile that you have to place on your board. It might be one, two, or three spaces, and it's going to be in a line. And um, I played – there's a easy and a hard side to 
the boards. Each person has their, their own island board. I played with the hard side, not realizing, oh, no, this is significantly harder. <laughs> they do mean <laughs> hard. Easy. Yeah. I was just like, oh, this won't be any different. Uh, I was wrong. So um, so you're placing your tiles out, and they are diff- there's four different types. There's like mountains, deserts, uh, water, and grass. I don't know. And uh, also volcanoes, which have the monsters on them. So when you put it out, if you make a cluster, you get a bonus. And uh, certain buildings can go on certain types of spaces. And basically, you're trying to gather as much orichalcum as possible. Some of your spaces may generate orichalcum if you build the orichalcum mines on it. You're trying to get as much orichalcum as possible because if you turn in five orichalcum, you can build an orichalcum coin or... It uh, is an essential part of the game. And that's a point. But there, no, it's cardboard. Oh, There's oh, like a metallic oh. coin that also <laughs> comes in, not used at all. Uh, then if you get f- uh, four spaces and a diamond that are all different types, you can put a temple on that. That's a coin, a point. And then if you get a cluster of like kind, so like three uh, desert spaces, you can draw the titan that corresponds to that type of space. And that's a a point. So if you get five points first, you win. Uh, it is very important to keep track of where what you can do for points because I like zoomed ahead to four points. Katie was way back at two, and then I realized there's nothing I can do <laughs> to get any more points without like some serious effort uh, invested. Whereas Katie was just slowly. Uh, you know, churning towards the end there. I know that's not a great explanation, but we have a video, so go check it out. <laughs> <laughs> did she win in the end, or did you finally? Uh, no, she won. Okay. She won pretty handily. <laughs> <laughs> so when you guys hear the company Eagle Griffin, what kind of games do you think of when you hear that company name? Oh, all those heavy Lacerda games. Uh-huh. Illustrated by Ian O'Toole. Yes. Three hours at the table. Yes. Did you know their most recent game is a 90s roll and move? That is a take that game. Have you played it? Yes. I played it at Tantrum Con. Con, It's called I'm the Boss. It is the most ridiculous game I've played in a long time. But I had a lot of fun. So it's literally you move this token around the board. There are business deals. And you have a hand of cards and you are trying to thwart other players from doing the business deals. But then also some, I mean, you have to make a choice. Am I going to help this person? Am I going to ruin the deal? Am I going to jump in and take over and become the boss? Are you going to go in with them on a deal and try and get some of the cash? So it's really just interject yourself and uh, take over or, you know, try and ruin else's Ruin somebody else's deal. This sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> and and from what I've heard, I have some friends who have said that it has ruined some friendships permanently. Oh, very nice. <laughs> I saw the group you were playing it with, and it looked like a great time. Yeah. If everybody goes into the game knowing, like, this is just dumb fun, so no actual relationships are going to be hurt when... I exclude somebody over and over again for making deals. Who ended up winning your game? Um, when I walked away, Derek Funkhauser had like all the power and everybody was teaming up against him. And, um, Isaac Villa came in and sneakily Uh, got just a couple million more than he did. And then the last 
game, we ended a little oh, how many soon. Did you play? We played two games. Oh, okay. The second game was everybody thought I had it in the bag, and Daryl Andrews had just a little bit more money than me at the end. So it it was it was a good time. It was ridiculous. And I it's very weird to me that it's a Sid Saxon game. That is from 1994 that Eagle Griffin is bringing back to the market. And it's got dumb 90s looking art. And it's it, a roll and move. It looked interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It and some. it has a weight of one, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so very different from the other stuff. But if you're looking for... Expanding a, their line. Oh, you know, party-ish game that's not a party game, but anybody can play it. This, this is it. I had an opportunity to play, I guess it's a pre-release game. I don't know if it's coming to Kickstarter or what the story is. Do you know what Wine Cellar from 25th Century Games is planning to do? Uh, Andrew I don't Stiles, know that they've released a date. A date. Was that Tangible Khan? He had a pre-press version of the game, and I got to try it out. It was a pretty slick eight-player card game, and you have... I've never seen these cards in a game. The card was like a normal playing card, but twice as long. So not like a tarot card or whatever, but like a very tall playing card. And each card has a wine bottle on it. And each wine bottle has uh, like a, uh, I don't know what the word is, the location from where it came. So It's origin? Origin, yeah. I don't think that's the right word in the where wine. Where the vineyard is located. Yeah, something like that. Uh, I don't know what the word is, but has a location on it, has a point value on it, and has a third thing on it. <laughs> <laughs> was it the type of wine? I, Probably, I did get yeah, to play yeah, a prototype a of this at Proto ATL last year. Yep, yep. I'm trying to remember back. Yes. So you have a hand. You only have uh, like two or three cards in your hand, and you play one card each round, and that card goes out onto the table, and everybody's cards that they play are going to be the cards that you bid on for the next round, the bottle of wine. So you're trying to fill your wine cellar with all kinds of a variety of wines, and you're a specific type of collector, so you have certain goals that you're trying to achieve, and you play your card, and the cards have a number on it that determines your initiative, so who's going to pick the wine first. And you're basically just trying to, to build a collection of, I think, like eight bottles. It probably changes depending on player count over the course of the game, and then you score all your points at the end. The neat thing is, one of the main variants in the game is that you then play a second round using the wine bottles that you collected in the first round, so that becomes your new hand. So there's like future planning like crazy, trying to yeah. get high initiative cards that do kind of match your goals that are going to give you the power in the second round, so you're going to be able to get the perfect collection. It's got some really beautiful art from Vincent Dutre on it, and it just looks sharp it's not a hard game to play. It's like a 20-minute, 20, 30-minute card game. But the fact that it plays up to eight players is cool, and it just felt really nice in your hand holding these large wine bottles and then laying them out on the table and, and looking at all the differences in them. I, I actually very much enjoyed the gameplay and would love to try it with more players. We played like a three-player game. Eight would be a lot of fun. Um, I so, did play it at a high player count at Proto ATL. It, yeah. it was very good. Yeah, keep an eye out for that one. I don't think it's actually been released yet, but it'll be coming soon from 20th Century Games. All right, well, let's take a break for just a minute and give a shout-out to our sponsor for this episode. This episode is sponsored by Elven Throne. The game is on Kickstarter now. In it, you're going to have to forge alliances to conquer the Elven Throne. Up to seven houses, each with unique characters and abilities, will fight to gain influence over the realm. Players will move their characters into organizations, activate tiles, and counterattack their rivals in their quest 
for the Elven Throne. There are over 50 characters, variable setup options, and multiple win conditions. Each playthrough is a unique experience. You can see more information about this game, look at the components and the storyline, and some more detail on how to play on Kickstarter. That is Elven Throne. Hey, this is Kurt Cover from Smirk and Dagger Games. Happy 250th. Hey, this is Matt Warmbier from Love Thy Nerd. 250 episodes, would you believe it? Well, I, I can't believe it. We love you all. You're the best. All right, so let's talk about it. It's time for the Tantrum Con recap portion of the show, which I know I'm excited about. How many people were there? So many, but not too many. Our venue felt really good. I think we had around 1,000 attendees at the event. Uh, which made the place feel fantastic. There was energy. There was fun. There was also still space to sit, which I am excited about because that were, means um, there are a few empty tables. Yeah. I was worried on Thursday when I was like, "Ooh, it's kind of full looking already." That's, no, we just didn't set up the That's main what, ballroom with all of the tables that we had available, so it felt good in there. There right. was I didn't know that, and then all of a sudden, I was like, "Oh, Friday and Saturday were fine." Yeah, yeah. Also, we put out more tables the next. Were time. fewer events going on on Thursday, so. A lot of the people were in that room where the other days they were spread out in lots of different areas doing really cool things. Right. So it was interesting because about half the people checked in on Thursday, which was very neat, and it didn't feel empty. And then Saturday and Sunday when the rest checked in, it still felt about the same because we did add a bunch of new spaces and new events and all the fun things that we're going to be talking about in this episode. Thank you guys if you came out. It was really fantastic to see you. What are some of the favorite things or highlights or memories that we had? What are, you, what are you guys thinking about right now? This is the first con where I had a family member show up. My brother Your came wife to the doesn't con. come normally? She's not <laughs> a blood family. Oh, blood family. <laughs> uh, anyway, my brother showed up and uh, immediately sequestered himself in the miniature painting area. Oh, who it, knew? It was pretty great this year. So it was, it was fun. <laughs> what, what was his takeaways? Did you get to talk to him after the event? Uh, it was mostly about the mini thing. <laughs> he was just real. He thought that was really cool. Oh, good, good. I had a friend show up as well, and she came last year just for like two hours and hung out at the registration desk. She's a, a business partner and a pal, and she was like, yeah, I'd love to come support you guys. So she showed up last year, hung out, just kind of barely scratched the surface. And so this year when I invited her back, I was like, you should come and actually sign up for some events, play some games, do some stuff, because she is a little bit of a gamer. And she walked well, okay, away. So let's let's preface with Will has been raving about Blood on the Clock Tower. It's Will's <laughs> Will's type of game. And it's also her type it's of game. It's also her type of game. Although she doesn't know it. She didn't know it. So she was like, Will has hyped this game so much. There's no way. No way it's this good. And then she, she walked it. away from the game immediately found me. It was like, Sarah, I can't believe it. This is the best game I've ever played in my life. I'm having so much fun at Tantrum Con. I was like, yep, I knew. I knew you would. That's why we wanted you to come. Another convert. She was like, I'll be back every year. Just sign me up. I'm ready to go. So that was fun to actually see her level of excitement and remind me that like, oh, this is, this is a pretty good event. People come here and have a good time. It was neat. Yep. We had a lot of tournament meals. Uh, we mentioned that before in our previous podcast. I think they all went off um, well, uh, Katie did a great job with the decorations um, in the new space. I know that we didn't really know exactly how it would all work out, but she did a wonderful job with that. I think a lot of the publishers that were able to attend um, commented on that. So that was good. 
Um, one of the things that I enjoyed um, seeing was Bezier. Um, they released a well, sort of a pre-release game called Sandbag, which we may have talked about in previous episodes. Uh, Sandbag is a new trick-taking game coming from Bezier Games, and they had airshipped in a few copies. They gave away. I didn't know this. Like I didn't know they were going to do this, but they gave away sand the game to the attendees. Not all of them, but the some people at the table, and they gave. Um, some copies of some review media people that were there as well, but it's not going to be released until Origins of this year. Oh wow, that's really early, right? So that we're talking about like four this. or five months ahead of time. People have the game, and it's like that's just cool. That it they is did it's that. very cool, and it's a fun game. It worked really well. A lot of people were talking about it at the show. We're, I think they were demoing it at their booth as well. They were, yeah. but they weren't selling it yet. No selling. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's pretty special, and I will say it's Sam Max probably already made it into my top ten of twenty twenty four. It's a cool game. I, so. I enjoy it a bunch. Twenty fifth century games gave out like the little uh, hats and donut aprons hats. for a donut shop. It looked amazing, and I didn't realize it was part of the turtle meal. So it's just like, oh, this little girl is cosplaying as someone who <laughs> sells donuts. I mean, that's really cool, but also kind of odd. Like, I wouldn't have thought <laughs> that selection? was a cosplay you would do at a game place. But like, she looks neat. So okay, but yeah, it was it was really cool of twenty fifth century games to to up the turn meal by uh, getting everybody into the spirit. Of I agree. I, donuts. I shared some cool trivia about that on our Saturday morning board game show. If you didn't go watch that, you should check it out. We talked a lot about our tantrum con experience. Uh, one of the pieces of trivia I gave was that um, Chad Elkins, the owner of twenty fifth century games, was telling me that he discovered the donut shop game uh, Jeffrey Allish design at tantrum con twenty twenty. Two, uh, whatever two years ago was <laughs> 21 whatever this is 23 uh two years ago he discovered it published it and then they have it available here 20. at this con for us to play as a tournament meal it was really fantastic it's a super fun game and yes it looked great in there decked out eating donuts playing games looking like donut shop owners very cool i mentioned the space but i felt like we had a great space and how we laid it all out it was a little bit more sprawling than normal than when, what we're used to, we used to like like everything in like one, one spot, <laughs> yeah, one ballroom or in the hallways. This had multiple ballrooms, multiple um, rooms that we could use, multiple floors, multiple floors. The registration area, um, I thought, worked well in this sort of central location. So yeah, I think overall, I think it worked well for us and the attendees. Right, I am involved in a lot of the learn to plays and putting that schedule together and the tables and things and that space. Worked really well. Berkey from Game Toppers uh, gave a bunch of mats that Will designed, and they looked awesome on the tables. There was room. It wasn't loud. Um, Yeah, I think the Learn to Play and all the areas with ticketed gaming went really well this year. I agree with that for sure. The only downside was the air problem, the heating and air problem that we had that finally got fixed, but hopefully next year that won't be an issue. We weren't anticipating there being such a wide swing of weather temperatures leading up to the con. I wasn't expecting them not to have it cool. Well, for the record, the several times that I have visited, most were in the summertime and it was cold in the venue. So I didn't think anything of it's 95 outside and it feels cold in here. I didn't think that it would ever be a problem, but it went from in the teens to 70 with rain and it it was just a weird situation. Right. Yes. It was a heat wave in January. 
One of my favorite things was having Grant Lyon back to do another comedy show. And he did two this time. So we had space. We had a... Um, the space that we had for that show. I was going to say, if we're going to talk about the venue, we got to talk about this space. <laughs> so the venue had, when we toured the place, they were like, oh yeah, there's this extra room. Most people just use it for storage. And we walked in and it was like, this, they were like, it was we like, cheers. we haven't updated it in like 20 years because we, so it's not really usable. You can use it for storage. Yeah. Yeah. And we walk in and it looked like the set of cheers. It was crazy. And they haven't, everything was original from the seventies. It, it looked pretty great. Yeah, it was. And it, it was a perfect space for the comedy show. It was also a great space for Kevin's, Kevin's magic, magic show. show. Which First also, <laughs> he, don't let him say that, people. You got to pull him back from the brink. You miss it the first year? <laughs> Too bad. It was a great show. The space was really fantastic. It has a weird little stage with giant black and red striped wallpaper in the background and like club chairs everywhere. It was it was a super perfect space for a show. Uh, Grant's show was fantastic. It was uh, not at all a repeat of his show from two years ago. He's got so many new jokes and new things added to the lineup that it was a, it felt fun and fresh, and I laughed at. He's got one joke. I can't I can't do it because if I do it, it won't be funny when I do it. But I laughed. I attended both shows because I was taking photos and stuff, and both times I laughed out loud when he said. <laughs> oh yeah, I haven't seen the magic pictures. I need to see this. They're on there. Yeah, yeah. By the time this goes live, I should have, hopefully, all the photos from TantrumCon collected and on our website, so you can check that out at TantrumCon.com. I'm working on the slow-mo recap table flipping video now. See if I can pull that one. Ryan and Katie got in on that action. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Tell us about that experience. Well, it was kind of last minute. We were pulled in, and I I'm not sure if I I keep thinking I flipped early because somehow our table ended up under theirs. Yes. Um, So, but it was it was pretty cool. I think we destroyed one of the tables in the process. At least one. Yeah. So so Ryan and Katie had were up against Steph Hodge and Michael Michael Aldridge, and uh, there it was a little bit of a contested tie. We we went back and watched the footage later, and I you could see for yourself. We always Uh, let people like vote by applause. Cheer. So we'll, yeah, we'll see. I was I was surprised we tied. So. Yeah, <laughs> usually usually there's a clear winner. Like somebody usually garners everybody's applause, everybody's screaming. You guys were very similar. I think it was like the star power of Ryan and Katie, the I, mega couple. Yeah, I think it was just that it was like the last thing. Oh, that and could be uh, it. the crowd was just excited. But so. we're calling it our first tie in history. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll take it. But <laughs> let's let's not forget what happened the day before. Tangle Tangle Gate. <laughs> so great oh man it was crazy we had first off we gave the audience an opportunity to participate which i always think is fun we did a trivia game and our two top winners from the trivia game got to be on stage with our special guests for the evening and those guests were Stephen bonacore the pod father uh he came bringing all kinds of trash talk it was hilarious came up on stage ready to go and then kurt covert from smirk and dagger was our other guest and he came bringing more swagger than I have ever seen. Yeah, never seen that side of Kurt. <laughs> he had the audience like clap cheering, like in synchronization. He rolls up on stage and is like laying down the gauntlet. It was hilarious. And then, n- never seen before in table flipping history, I go for the countdown and I look to my right. They're ready, hands under the table, ready to go. I look to my left. I don't even know where they are. They're like crawled up under the table. It's, it looked Kurt like is. from my angle. 
They grabbed the bottom legs of the table instead of the tabletop, which there's not any rules, so do whatever you want to do. When they launched this thing in the air, I mean, we all could have died. (laughs) They picked the bottom of the table up, chucked it into the air, uh, probably 10 feet above our heads. Highest chuck I've ever seen. Barely missed the chandelier. Yeah, so high. The clearance on this, this video is going to be amazing. It flies up in the air. It, it like, I, did left of the stratosphere. Almost killed Larry. Almost, yeah. The video, <laughs> our cameraman in the front row, psychic Larry, almost gets hit by the table as it rolls. I look to the right, and Bonacore's table hasn't gone anywhere. It literally didn't leave the stage. <laughs> like, it didn't even make it off the front of the stage. I don't know what happened. However, and I don't take any blame for this, <laughs> it kind of maybe might have maybe looked like my microphone cable was like knotted all around the legs of his table. <laughs> I don't it know who did, did it. It did look like you had completely tied knots. It kind of did, but I think it was it had to be Kurt. It wasn't me. I don't know what happened. Well, well, Bonacore blamed Kurt. Right, as he should. <laughs> his table flops over and uh, immediately, whoa, what is happening? Look at these cords. And like knotted around in circles. It was like barely laughed over at once. But impeding. <laughs> uh, he was demanding a flip off. I don't know if we're allowed to say this on our family friendly show. Uh, so they might be back next year to for like final clarification on who actually won. It was it was a crazy show. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> well, we're going to jump into a house guest segment with Daniel, um, who is designer of Aqua. The Biodiversity in the Oceans, and this is from the op, so let's welcome them to the house. Hey! Hey, thanks for having me. Well, we have you on the show to talk about a new game coming from Sidekick Games, and that's called Aqua. Um, There's a tagline to it, if I remember. It's Biodiversity in the Oceans, is that right? That is correct, yes. I, I saw that there might be another game of that title in BGG, uh, uh, Aqua, uh, for 2024, and I almost clicked on the wrong one earlier today. Okay, uh, I wasn't aware of that. It's um, <laughs> it's actually the name that's been the same. It's been the same name since Prototype, actually, since okay. the first, uh, first cool. thing, so it's stuck. That's good. Well, uh, tell us a little bit about you and Psychic Games, and then we'll jump into Aqua. Sure, sure. So uh, I'm Dan Halstead uh, from Sidekick Games, uh, which is a is a new publisher. Uh, not new. We've been around for a little bit, but this is uh, we've kind of re jump started ourselves after the uh, you know the, the pandemic. And uh, I run it along with my two friends, uh, Asger Grenrud and Daniel Skoll Peterson, who are of I guess most recently Heat fame. Uh, yeah. They're the designers of <laughs> Heat from Days of Wonder. Uh, so the three of us have kind of gotten together here. Uh, we're based out of Copenhagen, Denmark, and we've started publishing games. Uh, this and, and Aqua, as you alluded to, will be, it'll be our eighth published title, uh, but it is the first one, again, after, post-pandemic, when we've kind of reconfigured how we want the company to be kind of strategically structured. And one of your first uh, one was, first... Bloom, was Bloomtown, right? Bloomtown, yes. That was yeah, one that, that we did in 2018, 2019. Okay. That was an exclusive cool. to Walmart. Okay. Um, and then after that was a, a series of six uh, Hans Christian Andersen themed uh, cool. family games, which were probably family, family minus, uh, targeting a, a, a quite a different audience than probably your podcast <laughs> and, and, yeah. and the BGG crowd. Uh, but uh, they were, as you know, it's a, it's a very popular uh, IP 
<laughs> quote IP um, right, right. <laughs> from from the Scandinavian uh, point of view. So cool. Yeah. Well, let's jump into Aqua. Uh, tell us a little bit about the game, and then we'll get into some of the other cool things about it. Sure. Yeah. So Aqua is a uh, tile laying game, two to four players, plays in thirty to forty five minutes, and it is um, again, it's the first in our generational games line. So this is a game that is intended to be scalable based on audience. So all the way from six years old, uh, all the way up to, you know, the seasoned hardcore gamer that, uh, like I said, from the BGG crowd. Okay. Um, so there is, uh, there's a number of different layers that can be added and removed within the game. And the idea was to have something with a very coarse system that can be uh, just added upon uh, to kind of increase the brain crunch, so to speak. Uh, but in the game, you are building a, a coral reef. Each player is building a coral reef. Uh, it's, as I mentioned before, it's tile laying game, hex tiles, uh, but it's it's unique in that it's it's layered. So you're building up. Uh, there's a puzzle amongst different layers. So it's, it thinks something along the lines of uh, Acropolis in some respects, uh, where okay. you're kind of going up a bit. Uh, but unlike Acropolis, the puzzle is different on each layer mm, and how okay. you're going to score points. And uh, for anyone uh, listening that hasn't seen the BGG page, I, I advise you to go check it out because the art is done by uh, Vincent Dutrait yeah. of various game fame. <laughs> He's one of my favorites. <laughs> uh, yeah, he is my favorite as well. And we are so lucky to have him on this project uh, and our next one, actually. Um, and yeah, he just really just brought the game alive. Uh, I could never have imagined the, the end result when we first started doing this. And it's just the table presence is phenomenal. So uh, you and your friends are sort of the team behind Aqua. Now, um, did did you guys come up with like the the mechanics? Is that what you sort of were working on before the theme, or how did that? How did all? Mm-hmm. How did the game all come about? I mean, the game was a, actually the game is just, it's co-designed by my my son, who at the time was seven years old uh, cool. when we first started this. It was a COVID project uh, <laughs> when we were in isolation. Actually, my son is very into. Uh, marine biology. Uh, I think as of now, he's only 10 now, but as of now, that's kind of what he wants to do for a living. So we'll hold okay. him to that. Uh, but he has a huge interest in, in animal life and things like that. So we we kind of took that as a theme to begin with, uh, kind of to kickstart the idea. And then we started saying, okay, how do we want to build this, blah, blah, blah. And he loves tile layers. And uh, it just kind of came about. And I think it's, it's an abstract tile laying game, but it really has a, a theme that brings out that what you're trying to do, you know, you're building a base level of corals, which are then creating habitats and reefs within your ecosystem. And then the second layer of the puzzles is attracting the small animals to those habitats. And then if you've attracted enough biodiversity within the small animals on the second layer, then you attract the large animals, the predators, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, on the third layer. And each layer scores points uh, in a different way. Uh, so, so, yeah, so, it's, it's been the same core system since inception, actually, which cool. is quite That's- cool. That's that's cool that it's, it stayed uh, stayed the course from there. Um, it, that's very interesting. Now it plays, and you said thirty to forty five minutes. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's, so it's very snappy at two player and, and four player. Depends on your friends. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a little bit of AP that could the analysis process that could happen. Is that what I'm hearing? A little bit. Uh, no, not, I mean it, it should. <laughs> I think uh, okay. It is a spatial puzzle, so I think okay. it depends on it depends on the audience, right? If if right. they have a little bit of trouble with some spatial reasoning. Okay. Uh, then it could take a, a bit of time. Okay. And, but, uh, but, but there is like an end to the game. Like, is it in a certain number of rounds? Yes. The game plays over 17 rounds. 
Okay. Um, and at the end, you're going to calculate score again based on which variant you're playing, the core game or the advanced or even the family mm -hmm. if you'd like to. Um, you'll score a various number of uh, things within the game. I appreciate so it's, it's quite I appreciate games that have like it's not just like oh you don't know when it's going to end. I like the certain number of rounds. So that's cool. Yeah. Is the game easy to like set up and get out of the box and and get ready to play, or does it take a little bit longer? No, you'll see. I think what what we wanted to do. We're not big in our company at marketing or anything like this. So what we've done is we put all of our efforts and and time and and money into the the presentation of the game. So again, starting with the Vincent Dutre art, when you lift up that mm -hmm. box lid, yeah. there is not a piece of gray cardboard you will see within. The entire box he is fully oh. illustrated oh. the inside of the box cover the bottom of the the box uh, the insert uh, the sides everything is is fully illustrated by vincent so we wanted to really kind of immerse you from from the very outset in in the kind of the the reef like world that we've built um and the insert uh, is, is made in a way where you just can pull out the tile stacks and just get started um on the back of your player piece it tells you how many to remove based on player count and you just do that and you can set it up and go it's very uh, cool you can set it up in two minutes so um is when is this game uh, available for um for people to go to their, their like local board game store or like online and mm -hmm. uh, check and actually go and purchase it yep so uh it should be it's a it's we're we're getting the the dates nailed down here now but it, it's it's slated for a global release on february 6th uh, 2024 direct to retail uh, within the U.S. It'll be from the op, and from all the other territories globally. Uh, I think we're in 14 territories and 19 languages at the outset, which is okay. our biggest print run in any game that the three of us have ever worked on, whether ours or another publisher, and that includes Heat. Um, <laughs> so, and it's coming from Asmodee in yeah, the rest of the world. And okay, so so Asmodee so. is helping you with the rest of the world, the op at, in the United States. Is this your first game that you're partnering with, with the op? Uh, yes. Okay. This is. Cool. Uh, and we've had an amazing experience so far with them. Very happy cool. uh, with that process and, and the people that they have working there. Yeah, we, we love working with the app as well. We uh, we cover a lot of their games. And that's actually the copy that we have at our house here. Oh, cool. Excellent, <laughs> the, excellent. <laughs> the game from the app. And uh, we're going to be um, hopefully getting it to the table here soon so we can uh, so we can play it and uh, get a video out uh, for it. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah, we're looking forward, looking forward to it. And yeah, so is there anything else that you want to share with the audience about Aqua? Um, or um, that, yeah, anything you'd like to share about that? No, I mean, it's, I think we've said everything. It's uh, February yeah. 6th coming out in a local game store near you. Cool. Please uh, check it out. I hope you like it. I'm very, uh, we're very proud of this game. And yeah. uh, I think it, it hits a lot of, it ticks a lot of boxes. Uh, and I think it has a place on your yeah. shelf. And I, I should say for the listeners, it's hard to visualize it. The box uh, size is like, like an Azul Box it's the size. exact size of Azul. It yeah, is 26 I, I, by 26 <laughs> I was like, in, in my mind, that's like the size. Um, you know, you have like the Ticket to Ride size box, yes. and then the, like the next size I can think of is like pop. The popular game out there is Azul, so that's good for the listeners to sort of understand. It's a, it's a still it's a good size box, but it's not a small box game. It's not a big box game, but it's got. It sounds like it's got a lot packed into it, so that's yeah. exciting. And it's it's quite heavy too. You pick it up. It's uh, everything in the game is three millimeter cardboard, so you're getting Ooh. a bit of quality within the. Yeah. 
the components themselves as well. So I'm when you excited. pick it up, it's quite heavy for a 26 by 26 box. <laughs> I'm really excited about it because like the art does draw you in. Uh, love component quality in games, and I'm excited that from what I'm what I'm hearing is the gameplay uh, holds up to all that. So thank you so much for being on the show here, Dan. We uh, look forward to um, hearing more about what's coming um, from Psychic Games in the future. Yeah, thank you so much. Big fans of your uh, your show and what you guys do on the channel. So thanks so all much. Right. Thank you. Bye. Hey, this is Michael from the Game Store, and I want to wish uh, the Tantrum House congratulations on 250 podcasts. Tantrum House, you guys are absolutely the best. This is Chad Elkins from 25th Century Games. Love y'all. Love the podcast. Tantrum Con is absolutely a blast every year. Southern hospitality to its finest. Keep up the good work. Hey, everyone. This is Joe from All Play, and I just want to say happy 250th episode to Tantrum House. Man, it's been a really fantastic episode here and all the shout outs, learning about some cool games that are coming from the op and, and a lot of games that we've been talking about and reminiscing about Tantrum Con. There's so much more to be said about that. You do definitely need to check in on that Saturday morning board game show because we covered a bunch of great stuff. But I think we are going to pivot now in this episode and talk a little bit about our journey on the podcast front. We've been doing this for years. I have some stories. Yeah. And it's a little crazy to think about. Uh, I think we've talked about the origin of the podcast a couple times before. That's probably the place to start. And uh, I think we should also maybe talk about the future of it. We haven't really even talked about that as a team. So this might be a crazy brainstorm. Who knows what's going to happen session. Buckle up. But uh, the origins. Yeah, let's do what's your what's your memory of um, how this all started? Will I feel like I have actually a pretty clear memory of it. I'd love to hear someone else's perspective on how we got started podcasting. All I remember is I thought to myself, I, I don't speak well in coherent sentences. So putting me on a podcast is probably not a great idea. And then we all had to huddle around what felt like a cardboard box with a microphone stuck on top. We all shared one little mic and had fun with it. Yes. I feel like it was kind of one of those, Hey, let's start a podcast. And it just happened. And let's do it today. <laughs> well, I think some of the behind the scenes, like we were talking about, like how can we just talk to the, you know, our fans or people who want to hear more about board games. We have our reviews that we're doing, but we don't ever get to just have a chance to just talk about things that are happening in our life or things that are things that we want to talk about outside of just a review or a playthrough. And this was one way that we could create more content and uh, put it out there for people to listen to. I think that was one of the one of the reasons. Yeah, I think that's all pretty true. My recollection is basically, I think we went to a convention or something, and it was really kind of the first time that I had listened to board game other board game podcasts. Like on the way, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, there's nothing like magical about these. <laughs> I think we could probably do this kind of thing. It's not too hard. And I don't remember if I had a freelance client that I had ended up setting up one for but when i realized like you know there, there's a little bit of technical work behind the scenes but it's really not that hard set up an rss feed record some files upload them mm-hmm. and i think we talked about it one week and then the next week i was like i have a microphone let's just let's just give it a shot see what I do you remember that night it's just like let's just do it yeah everybody showed up for regular game night and then i think i whispered to kevin hey if we want to record one the equipment's already set up in the other room. <laughs> and then it was literally like, hey, everybody, walk in this room yes. and go. <laughs> I do remember that. That was cool. Yeah, I definitely remember being taken by surprise. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> I've never gone back to listen to our first episode. I feel like I should, even exist. I feel like I should do that this week. 
I don't know if we, we... I hope it exists somewhere. Okay. I feel like it has to. I do like that we did get some better equipment over the years. So now we have a little mixing board. We each have like, we can share, you know, four or five microphones, four microphones around the table. I do like doing it in like person. I know sometimes like, like through COVID or other, even other, I know content creators do it like over the internet or things like that. I just like that we have the ability to do it all together. I do. I think that makes it a little more real, a little more quick. It also probably saves us a little bit of editing time, which is nice. <laughs> it does create a problem because I like to talk with my hands and the the listeners can't see all mm. the gestures I'm making. How animated Ryan is over here. <laughs> I do. Uh, one of the things, um, if we're moving into things that we remember about the first few episodes or the beginning of the podcast, you know, Ryan's dreams... I mean, these used to be pretty like consistent <laughs> in the first like um, episodes of the podcast. Do you remember these dreams, Ryan? I I sort of remember. I don't remember sharing them as much. <laughs> oh, but I, I, I mean, I I still have weird dreams. I just dreamt that. Oh, here we go. It's Katie. back. It's back. Yes. <laughs> Katie and I decided to have a fourth child. They were born. It was another girl, and she was trying to convince me that we needed to name her CD, just the letters CD, and then EV as the middle name. And I was like, Katie, like this is this is not a good idea. CD EV pills. It sounds incredible. <laughs> I don't know why that was, but that was like the entire dream. It was me trying to talk my wife out of it. <laughs> That's good. We'll look forward to more uh, future. Bringing them back. Yes. I remember one of the other things that we did a lot of that we haven't done super recently is kind of the after show conversations about like some of the Marvel TV shows oh, and things that were going on. That's the thing I remember. Yeah. Those are a lot of fun talking about, you know, Boba back. Fett or whatever episodes we were chatting through. Um, I have no idea if our audience at home enjoyed any of that. We never got feedback on those, but they were fun to talk they were about. They after the credits and some people... They didn't even know it was there. <laughs> so look forward to them in the future because I think there's going to be the Acolyte from uh, Star Wars show. That looks pretty cool this year. Um, there might be some the other. The Last Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. We can talk about that some. Mm-hmm. The Last Bad Batch, sure. I watched Echo. Wasn't that great? I was going to ask you, because we haven't watched Echo. <laughs> Is it something that you, like... It was, like, cause we, cause it's unrelated from, like, the filler. Hawkeye universe. It's the first episode was. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it was fine. I didn't... Uh, I felt like it was just a bunch of additional stuff. So it didn't, like... Revealed new things. It revealed one thing that I was actually mad at. Other than that, it was fine. So you're saying not recommending? Uh, I, I mean, I feel like if you're consuming all the Marvel media, then you got to watch it because there's like two pieces of information that are part of the lore that we all know and care about. Okay. But there was just a lot of other stuff. I, I feel bad. I don't even know how long to say this. Probably get hate from it, which is okay. Uh, the, The main character in this episode is deaf. Right. And so she does sign language. But she did in Hawkeye. You saw Hawkeye, right? Right, right. Okay. And, and Hawkeye was great. Yeah. And there were a couple of times in this show where I was like, oh, this is like kind of emotionally stirring and they're achieving their mission. Most of the time I felt like I'm reading so much and no one's talking. And I actually blame it mostly on the music because mm. I was like, I feel nothing. <laughs> I'm dead inside. <laughs> I'm sitting here reading slowly appearing words on the screen, and there, there's like no so progression. feel like it was progressing the story. Right. Or, okay. I needed mm. a little faster. I don't know. Yeah. If nothing else, it provides 
something for the honest trailers and pitch meeting people to produce more <laughs> excellent YouTube content. I should go check those out because I'm sure they did a great job. They always do. It was great. It was interesting in some aspects of it, but there was just a lot like I felt like each episode could have been half as long. So back to our podcast. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that. <laughs> well, we were talking about things what? that we could do. Sure. <laughs> One of my favorite things is when we've had a house guest come in person yes. to Tantrum House and record with us. We always have a great time. We always end up playing some extra little trivia or party game or something on the show. And those are always a lot more fun than just talking about stuff. Rado, if you're listening to this episode, come to Tantrum House. We'd love to have you here. <laughs> Absolutely. We appreciated the shout out you gave us in your video. I think we made some comments on the video, but for serious, if you're ever in the upstate of South Carolina, come see us. We'd love to hang out. And I agree with Sarah. That is a great part of this show, being able to have people come in and just chat. Same deal as Kevin was saying, like, it's hard to do that. It's, it's not as cool when you're over Zoom. Like, you just, it, you don't get as much out of it. It's not as genuine. And yeah, I agree. Having people in the house on the episodes is fantastic. So this is our 250th episode. You talked about things that we've enjoyed in the past and things for the future. So... Are we doing some like New Year's New Year's resolutions or something? It's for... basically January. No, we're February. Well, I mean, this is our first episode <laughs> of the year. We we have we do apologize. We had so much to do with Tantrum Con and other things. This is taking a while for this two hundred fiftieth episode to come out. So Yeah, we kinda we when we found out that it was the two hundred fiftieth, we were like, well, we don't want to rush it. Let's take a minute, let's make it some extra fun. And so then that was hard with Tantrum Con. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that we have enjoyed it. We actually did pull back because for a while we were doing we were doing one a week. An episode a week, which yeah. is a bunch. That's how we caught up to caught up closer to See if we do another year, maybe we can pass them up on episode content. No, now it's like we're brother and younger brother. You never oh. catch up. Oh, okay, that's true. So yeah, every other week is a is a good pace for us. Yeah. And I think I think a couple of things that we'd like. First off, we got a couple of shout outs from people who were like, Is it what's happening? Where's the episodes at? So thank you for reaching out. We appreciate you taking the time to reach out and let us know that you missed us. Uh, we'd love to hear from more of you. I think one of the th reasons that we enjoy doing live shows is because of the interaction that we get with the audience, like people jumping in on the chat and, and coming in and asking us questions. I would love to see a little bit more of that on the podcast. So I don't know if we need to put out some questions or do some more polls like or what we need have, to like, do. Listener feedback. Yeah. Uh, get some questions, get some mail that we can give shout outs to or something. Um, I would love to see more of that in the future. I actually don't have a like specific vision for things that we're going to change in the episodes. But if you at home have some of those ideas, we'd love to hear them. If there are pieces of the show that you enjoy more than others, if you uh, want us to ditch the Kickstarter thing and go for the published games, if you want more of the Kickstarter thing, uh, all those things would be valuable information for us as we try to curate uh, something that we think is not just fun to talk about here, but also enjoyable for you guys at home. So... Send that to Sarah. <laughs> I was about to ask, what is the best way for people to reach out and give us their feedback? We do have a form on our website if you go to tantrumhouse.com, but if you want to just send it straight to Sarah at tantrumhouse.com. S-A-R-A. Feel free. She would love to get your emails, I think. S-A-R-A <laughs> at tantrumhouse.com. She yes. didn't look as thrilled as I thought she would. You can I send got so many way. other customer service emails, Will. She is also handling our Game Found campaign, so if you are one of our backers from this previous year, uh, be sure to get on there. Fill out the survey that she sent to you, because we can't send you rewards if we don't know what size shirt you wear. Or you can text her at 864 <laughs> 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 no, I would actually love to hear from you about the podcast. Um, it is a lot of emails handling all the cust customer service stuff with all of the Kickstarter campaign 
um, promos and merchandise. But yeah, hearing from you would be great. So I'm going to secret that I'm going to announce. <gasps> you can actually email any of us. It's our first name <laughs> at tantrumhouse. Don't give that information away. Melissa, Kevin, Ryan, Will. I think all actually, of those are. Send them all to Jonah. There we go. <laughs> That'd be so good. J O N A H at tantrumhouse.com. Calling you out of the episode. Jonah went home early today because he was a little tired or something. I don't know. <laughs> no good excuse. Under the bus. <laughs> hey, this is Berkey from Game Toppers. 250 episodes. Are you kidding me? I remember when you Tantrum House was just like in diapers. Yeah, barely starting a podcast. Now you've got conventions. Now you've got podcasts and videos and YouTube channels. Wow. Anyway, congratulations, guys. You guys are amazing. Love to support the Tantrum House. Rolling Dice and Taking Names is here to say congratulations to Tantrum House for 250 podcast episodes. That is amazing, Marty. Yes, it is. Tony, remember when we hit our 250th shoot? I remember back then I had flowing brown hair and I could actually stay up past 10 o'clock. Well, at my age, I'm just happy to remember yesterday, Marty. Once again, congrats, Tantrum House. 250 episodes. That's amazing. Can you make it 250 more? Hey, it's Christina. It's Rob. It's Kevin. And Brandon. And we are Blue Peg Pink Peg, and we just wanted to say... Happy 250th episode! Oh my gosh, congratulations on this amazing milestone. Way to go. 250 years old? None of these guys look 250 years old. What are they doing <laughs> out there? Well, thanks for being a part of the journey. We have definitely had a blast as we've recorded 250 of these episodes, and we look forward to many more. Thank you guys for being our fans, our friends. Thanks for connecting with us. We'd love to see you at TantrumCon next year. Uh, We've also got some game nights. If you're not aware of those, if you're in the upstate, uh, last Monday of the month, we hang out playing board games in town, and uh, we always look forward to ways that we can have fun together, play games, and enjoy uh, this wonderful hobby of ours. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Hope to see you in the next one. Until then. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Tantrum House Board Game Podcast. If you liked any part of this at all, find and follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and tantrumhouse.com. Like us, share us, email us, call us, or send us a postcard to Tantrum House, 306 Berry Drive, that's B-A-R-R-Y, Greer, South Carolina, 29650.